Hey guys, Barry Mugadidi here, back for this episode of the Comeback Game podcast with Tucky Moore, the uh, head honcho at Million Dollar Coach and uh, founder of Black Belt Program. Tucky, mate, Dude. it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm really excited about this. We're going to see each other in, in Manly next week. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I'm pretty excited about being on your show, man. You've had some pretty good people. I mean, good company. A bit intimidated, actually. <laughs> you've been you've been hard to catch mate i think this is like the sixth reschedule or something but we're here now we are here now and i promise it'll be worth it i hope i'll, I'll dude i'm gonna make this bloody good let's do this <laughs> <laughs> so for for the people out there watching and listening today that may not know who you are or may have kind of seen you around the traps uh but sure. not really know what you're about like tell us a bit yep. about you. okay so uh personal then work um uh, aussie dad six kids um, from nine till 28, I think. Granddad of one and a half, which is mental. Wow. I didn't yeah, know that. Check, I know, check these great hairs. That's proof. Lover of tacos. That's kind of my, that's personal. Uh, nomad world traveler. We pulled the kids out of school two years ago. We gallivanting around the world, having a very good time exploring everything that the world's got. Uh, Work-wise, um, dude, for the last, uh, you know, 100 million years, we've been focused on how do we help great coaches to grow and scale. And so kind of for, in my world, grow means go from six figures to a million dollars a year. And that's what Black Belt's about. And then scale is if you're at a million, how do you get that to five or, or 10? And that's what Boardroom's about for us. So that's kind of, that's pretty much my world. Pretty simple. I eat tacos, we travel and I help coaches. Yeah. So how do you get into this? Because you weren't always the coach's coach, right? You've kind of been seen now around the world as a bit of a fi figure around the coach's coach, but it wasn't always like that. No, of course not. Um, so the coach thing was kind of interesting. I've, I've been intrigued by coaching for as long as I can remember. I, I had a job working for the council, which is glamorous. It's about just as glamorous as it sounds. And I remember reading ads in the local paper in Manly for a guy called Nick Economu. I think he's still, maybe still is an action coach, but he was running seminars back in like, I don't know, 1853 or something. And I was really intrigued by it even back then. I was speaking in schools right around mostly Sydney, but across New South Wales, getting kids revved up to, to raise money. And then I started a leadership program for primary school kids, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds. And I knew about kids. And I knew about schools and I was a good communicator. I knew what I wanted to teach, but I didn't have a clue about business. And, and I thought if I could find a, a business coach and tell them my story, I was kind of, I was young. I figured if I could find a coach telling my story, maybe I could get this person to coach me for free for the kids. That was kind of my, my idea. Met this guy. And he was like, I won't coach you for free, but if you come work for me, I'll teach you on the job. I've done some, you know, I had a marketing background and he figured I could be useful. And so that was kind of how, how my entree into the coaching world began. Uh, at the job interview, after we talked about it, and he said, I want you to you know, sleep on this overnight. And as I left, he gave me a copy of Dr. Zeus's book, Oh, The Places You'll Go. And uh, I figured any grown-up who can give another grown-up a Dr. Zeus book with a straight face is all right with me, I'm in. And, <laughs> and so that's how it all started. Uh, wow. And then, and then obviously progressed uh, down the path where you got a bit of a bug for, for, for the marketing side of things and the coaching side yeah. of things. Yeah. So my job was marketing manager. Uh, on my business card, it said, you know, marketing manager, world number one coaching team. Action Coach was the franchise. And, and love Dr. Action Zeus. What love of Dr. Zeus, 100%. Um, and my... So I was marketing manager and I walked in and, and uh, I was thinking like a slick office commanding the troops and it was just me 
and this guy in an apartment, like in a, in a townhouse in Balmain. And my office was a table, a phone, and a database, and a big fat book with 74 pages of scripts for this one phone call that did my head in. And I had to, had to ring these dudes. Check this out, man. The, the script was uh, 74 pages for one kind. It was basically the call you'd make to book somebody in for a free seminar. That was the, that was the thing. But it was like a choose your own adventure. Like if, if I think my words were blue. Actually, no, my words were black. I think their words were blue. And if they said, uh, had little like if they say, say this, go here. If they say that, go to page 12 or whatever it was. Which was really good in theory, but I had the script and the prospect didn't. And so they never said what they were supposed to say. That, like, supposed to say, oh, Taki, this sounds great, book me in. And they never said that once. And uh, so I was ringing these guys. And after, like, it took me forever to get 16 businesses to say yes, they were going to come to this thing at the Balmain Tigers League Club on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock. And it was like 6.30 registration. We booked them in and we'd never, neither of us had done it before. And I was just doing what I was told. And I had like, he started having the jitters, like, are they really going to show up? So on Friday afternoon, he got me to call them all and just make sure they're all coming. So they all said, yeah, we're still coming. And then on Monday, like, I had a great weekend because I wasn't the boss, right? And he was freaking out. So Monday morning, I walked in, he goes, what if they don't come? And so call them again. I'm like, oh, I can't call them again. Like, I already called them the other day. Call them again. Like, well, I need an angle. So I had to call them to find out if they had any, uh, if they knew where to park. All right, fine. I just need an excuse. So I, I rang them all. They said, yeah, we're coming. And then Tuesday morning he's like call them again what if they didn't come i'm like dude we've called them <laughs> so i call them i go i need an excuse and he said uh check if there's any special dietary requirements i'm like we're not even catering mate he goes doesn't matter call them anyway <laughs> <laughs> i rang these guys yeah we'll be there 6 30 registration for seven o'clock start so we're there and we're setting up in this room that's probably maybe twice as big as the room i'm in now not not that big uh ish right and uh so we got the room set up and I'm out the front outside the door with name tags and for the was 16 business, like 24 people, something like that. 6.30 comes, no, one, no one's there. 6.40, no one's there. And he's pacing, <laughs> stressing because like no one's there. And he'd pop his head out every few minutes go, are they here? No, they're not here. You said they'll come and I know they told me that. We just turned into this big, this hilarious. 6.58, two people showed up. One of them was my best mate who came for moral support and one was an actual real prospect. And uh, anyway, the whole night was super awkward. Like he didn't know if he should sit down at the table because there was only three of them or he should stand up and present because it was, it was anyway, one of them becomes a great client and, and became the, like a really great referrer, blah, blah, blah. But I got home and the next day I was like, what is going on that my marketing is getting people to say, yes, I'll come and then not show up. And it was, it was obvious, like clearly at some level they figured, they figured it was easy to say, yes, I'm coming than to tell me the truth. And I, I just got this, be in my bonnet that if I call them, they feel pressured and they push back. So how do I get them to call me? And that's where this thing started. Like 2004 was this conversation. It's like, so since then I've just been obsessed with how do I get people to, to reach out to coaches and say, I want to talk to you much better. Wow. Wow. So how long, how long did you last with him before you went on your own? Uh, so I was with action for, maybe three years or something. It was an incredible culture. Like every day was like being in a seminar. You got called on your stuff. That There was 14 points of culture that I just busted the guts to live to. The people were extraordinary. And, uh, but this thing inside of me was like, I want to get back into school. That's why I started with this thing in the first place. And uh, so I think it was Easter or it was Easter one year. I was in New Zealand on a farm with my wife and some friends. And I read this book, The Success Principle by Jack Canfield. And I had this chapter on goal setting. And basically the big idea was like, 
uh, how much by when, like what's the, what's the, how will you measure it and what's the date? And so I set a goal that by whatever date I'd be out back into schools and I uh, came back in and told everybody that and found a replacement trainer. Like it started with me and this guy, yeah, he had one client, we got him to 13, uh, we got him to full and then, yeah, we brought on another coach and another coach. And eventually I was like the lead gen guy for 13 business coaches. My job was to generate the lead, get them walking through the sales process until the, the coach could like literally pick up the sheet of paper on his way out to the appointment and go, I'm seeing Ivan at this address at two o'clock. This is his business. This is the pain points. This is what his goals are. And be able to kind of come back with a signed up client. So my job was the, the before bit. So I left to go do my school thing. And uh, yeah, like, Dude, it was it was amazing. I loved it to bits. Um, I had a had a, a phone call one the next a couple of years, um, six months into this, you know, after having left, maybe December. And this guy's an action coach franchisee who worked downstairs from one of my mates, and he's like, "I really need your help. I'm thirty grand in debt to head office in Las Vegas. They've given me thirty days to pay the money back, or I'm out. I've signed a non compete. I've got five kids." I've got a feed. I don't know what to do. I'm like, man, okay. So like, yeah, before you met me, like what, what was your plan? And he said, well, if I can get, if I put on a two day workshop, charge a thousand dollars a head, if I can get uh, 50 people to show up, you know, that's 30 for head office, 20 for me and my family, I think we'll be okay. I'm like, well, that's good. But it's two weeks before Christmas. And I'm like, like no one's going to show up. It's December, like December 15th. We had this chat and he's like, Oh yeah, I hadn't really, you know, so stressed. I hadn't really thought about that. And I'm like, okay, well, even if it wasn't Christmas, like to get a th uh, 50 people to give you a grand, you've got to have a pretty good da database. Like how many people on your list? And he said, well, I've never kept a database. You know, I've got seven clients. I've got seven past clients. And he thought about it. He goes, but not all of the past clients still like me. I'm like, oh, crap. So we've got no money and no time and no list, you know. So I just like, days before Christmas. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, well, dude, I don't know if I can help or not, but come over to... Um, yeah, come over tomorrow and we'll see if we can work out a plan. And I didn't know any of what I know. Like I didn't, this is like very free internet. I didn't know anything, um, yeah. any of what I know now. So anyway, he comes over and we mapped out this plan. It was super manual, but I, like long story short, I got him 57 booked appointments for $3.50 with this referral campaign. Uh, I wrote a direct mail piece to 10 restaurants in um, Mossman in Sydney, like a really nice restaurant strip. You know, and every letter basically started like an email that was BCC or CC and all the others. So it's like to Barry's Italian, CC, Taki's Greek and Giovanni's this. And like, you notice I'm writing this letter to 90 of your competitors as well. What I've got to say is important. Time is of the essence. I can only work with one of you, blah, blah, blah. So we, we sent that. He got a, a client paid in full. We sent it to another restaurant strip, same deal, three times. Anyway, long story short, he went uh, every month, Action Coach published an email, like they sent emailed all of their franchisees with like just a list of names from who's making the most, who's making the least. He was at the bottom and 87 days later, not only he paid back the stuff, but he was number two. And uh, everyone's like, dude, what happened to you? And he said, I met this guy, Taki. And that's how the business, like all of a sudden everyone else wanted help and that's how this thing started. So that, that's how you went into, you transitioned out of the schools into uh, the coaches marketer. Yeah. And at what, what point did you realize that you wanted to help coaches more directly or, or uh, was, was, that, was that the part of it that then evolved into what is now Black Belt? Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally the part of it that became something else that became Black Belt. Uh, I'm not a very goal-driven guy. Like I, don't, like I don't have 
goals and I don't write them down, I don't read them every day and I don't visualize, I just kind of solve the next problem and usually end up somewhere good if you solve enough problems. That's yeah. A little bit disappointing, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Uh, it's actually funny, I read, on a post the other, I read on a post the other day like, uh, you know, do you set goals and if so, what are they? And you're like, nah, nope. <laughs> yeah, I, like I've set one. Actually, no, that's not true, I've set two. Uh, one years ago and one this year. Uh, the, the first one was 10 years ago today or 10 years ago this, you know, this month-ish. I uh, found out that we were pregnant with uh, my daughter who's now 10. And uh, at the time I was dead broke. I had to borrow 200 bucks from my mate Sam to go to Coles and get food. And I've come home and Kieran Marie said, uh, babe, I've got some news. I'm like, oh, great, I like news. And she goes, Oh, you might want to sit down. I'm like, oh, I don't like sit down news. <laughs> sit down, sit down news is never good news. <laughs> and she's like, oh, babe, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And I give her this big hug and I'm all celebratory. And then she leaves. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, like, I'm dead broke. I didn't know how to, I didn't think I could afford it. Man, I thought we were going to literally, we were going to die. And uh, so my goal was before this baby's born, I've got to get us to $8,000 a month. I figured if I could do that, we'd be okay. And uh, I did my first webinar a few weeks later. And, you know, 40, it was like 46 new clients in 70 minutes. I was like, oh, this thing could be a thing. You know, I let webinars then. And the only other goal I set was this year. Uh, dude, I don't think I'm going to hit it, but I think we're going to get close. And the goal was to get 50 coaches to a million dollars a year this year. I was feeling really despondent until Friday. Friday, we had an award ceremony at Black Belt here in the States, and I awarded 12 clients there, Black Belt, a million dollars. How many? 12. On Friday. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Maybe so. I'm at, I think we're at 41 for the year. That's good. Anyway, see, see how we go. Working at it. Wow. Wow. So, so looking back in, into life, you know, like we, we talk about the comeback game, what has been like some of the biggest uh, challenges or, or the biggest adversity that you guys have had to kind of overcome? Because you know, like I've had the privilege of knowing you uh, personally for a little while now and, and yeah. not personally for a long while now. And, you know, to me, this, this guy that, that's always pretty jovious, pretty cruisy, like you yeah. said, just solve the next problem, just move on, quite simplistic, traveling around the world. But I also know, though, that you've had challenges. And of course. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of the time, people don't see this from the outside looking in because, you know, we're not necessarily one to go and publish this shit everywhere. Dude, it's because they're, you know, the way that everybody in the world sees us is through our Instagram feed, which is like rose filtered and perfect. You know, look at me, smashed avocado, you know, hashtag entrepreneur life or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Um, oh man, we've had a whole bunch of challenges from, uh, you know, from, from being broke back then to Ethan, our son, he's 18 now and he's in a really good place now, thank God. But, He's got epilepsy and, and cerebral palsy and, and autism. And he's, he's, uh, dude, he's been in hospital for months at a time. He's been on morphine for pain relief for three or four months straight in agony. And he's, he stopped breathing and, and, uh, like heart still going, but no breathing twice in hospital and like, dude. There's been times where Kieran and I are like standing at the hospital. He's right here and he's on a, you know, they're checking his oxygen saturation and you just hear this thing go, you know, the thing goes drop and the alarms go off and a nurse rushes in and just like smashes the emergency button. 
and like within 15 seconds, there's like 10 doctors and nurses zooming the kid next door, you know, in the other bed out. And Kieran and I just had to take a step back and we're holding each other's hand, looking at this, looking at this situation, thinking we're going to lose Ethan. Like that's, dude, that's hard. You know, that's happened twice. And, uh, you know, we're really lucky. We, like, we deliberately built our business to be able to um, be there for Ethan when he needed us in hospital. And uh, he's in a really good place right now. So instead of like having a business that gives us flexibility so we can go to hospital, now we can take the flexibility and travel the world. But that's why, that's why we built it like we did. You know, so that I could be at Westmead Kids for 10 weeks and still have clients getting results. You know what I mean? Um, that's big. I think every phase in your business, like you, you hit a, at least for us, like we grow and then we hit some new problem and the problem either holds you where you are for longer than it should or, or you start you know, losing clients' money, revenue, and going backwards, like whether you you hold or you drop, both ways not fine. Like there's nothing worth like working hard for six months and getting nowhere. I remember years ago, one of the things you should measure probably if you're a coach is, is retention and churn is a part of that. Some these days, and how many what percentage of people um, leave each month. And uh, when your business is small, like a one or two percent churn feels like nothing. Like you've got ten clients, one percent isn't going to come around for a long, long time. But if you've got hundreds. And you've got a marketing system that I'm just going to make up numbers. Let's say you've got a marketing system that can bring in like five people a month and you know, your churn rate is less than that. You're fine. But when it grows and the churn rate stays the same, just because of numbers of people, you've got to work super hard just to replace the ones who, who, who you lost. And like we had two years ago, like we worked so hard for like seven or eight months and it felt like we was working harder than ever, spinning our wheels and not getting ahead. And, uh, Dude, that's, dude, it's not fun. You know, especially when you're, the, you know, not only am I trying to grow my business, but I've got to lead by example, you know, figure this shit out. Mm. Anyway, uh, you, why don't you talk and I'll answer questions. <laughs> what's, what, what's been the, you know, like, like what I've kind of picked up there though is that, you know, like a couple of things. Number one is that, that mentality around like just solve the next problem. Right. right. So, so in some ways it's a simplistic approach, but in many ways it's a very powerful approach too, because you look in society at the moment and people are just so busy. Like they're so busy with so much shit that just doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? And, and wondering yeah. why they're unhappy or depressed or anxious or all, all, all the other things that we're seeing right now. Um, right. But the second is, is your ability to keep going as well. You yeah, know, and it's like, you've got the challenge with Ethan yet, you know, you've turned that into a lifestyle now that most people don't live or, 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 or haven't been able to live, which is yeah, that, right. you know, you, you, you and your kids are traveling around the world, nomadic, get to hang out with some amazing people, do some amazing things, you know, experience amazing experiences as a result of that. Yet I could see that a lot of other people too would, would be like, Oh no, we need to stay here because it's got the best hospital care. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, dude, um, there's, there's lots of places in the world where the hospital care is not great. And there's a ton of places in the world which aren't wheel, wheelchair friendly. Like, like, I remember, like, Venice is an amazing city. It's all canals and stairs, like, neither of which is, like, particularly good with a wheelchair. So there's lots of, like, boom, 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 up the hill, and then boom, 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 down the other side. 
but like, dude, it's either going to be an ex- like a reason why not to, or it's going to be a uh, like a lot of people go like, I can't do this because of my kids. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Take them with you. Yeah. Uh, I think life's extraordinary. Part of part of our motivation for traveling around the world with the kids is like the world's really divided right now. Like, I mean, here in the states, and there's like a ton of uh, you know, red, blue. There's white, black. There's rich, poor. There's like, and that's just all over the world right now. And like, there's lots of us and them. And I just thought, like, if we can bring the kids with us, of course they're going to think us and them unless they meet the them and they realize that they're the same as us. And so we're like, part of this deal is like, how do we meet all the thems? And so what's, what, what I love is um, most mornings, my daughter will, uh, you know, most, most days my daughter will wake up and she'll go to her iPad and she'll just scroll through cities and go, ah, okay, it's nighttime, but it's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning in Tokyo right now. Let me jump on with Alina. Ken Okazaki, one of our clients' is kids. And so she's got these client, uh, clients, these friends all around the world. And just based on time zone, she's always online with somebody. Hanging. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. rad. And so this is the us and the thems. Anyway, I don't know. That probably doesn't answer. I can't even remember what the question was. So I'll just shut up again and you can lead us. No, no, it, it, it's, it's good. What do, you, what do you think, like, if you look back over your past 10, 15 years in business, like, yeah. What do you kind of think is your secret sauce to the success to where you're at? Like you've got a community now with 400 plus uh, coaches in there, you know, known around the world. You guys provide phenomenal results to your clients, um, yeah. you know, and continue to do so. What, what do you think is, is the secret sauce? Well, that, dude, I don't know that there's our secret sauce, but there's, there's several. I think um, caring and art are probably the two secret sources. So the first one is caring. Um, like, dude, we wouldn't do what we, if it was just about the cash, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't put nearly as much hard work in, but we give a shit. Like, we really care. Like I, when a client struggles, I hurt. When a client wins, I celebrate. I want to do more celebrating than hurting. So I'll bust a gut to make things great for my clients. And I think um, I'm on a mission. Like this $15 million coach thing is like, it'll have a spin-off effect of making us look good. But just like, how cool is that? If we can help 50 people hit a million dollars a year, like the, the percentage of coaches who get to a million dollars a year is tiny. You know, uh, so what number one is caring. I think like nothing good happens until you, until you give a shit. And then I, I think the second one is art. We, um, for years, people have thought my content was really creative and the visuals were nice and the slides looked pretty and like, and people go, wow, your content's so artful. And then, uh, I remember, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story, but I promise it'll land in about two minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm in a workshop here in LA selling black belt a few years ago. And uh, we're literally around this table at the end of the, the end of the kind of the, the pitch bit where I've just said, so is there anything else you'd need to know to help you know that this is the right next step for you? And this woman puts up a hand, first question, she goes, so what's your vision? And you already know that I don't do goals. So if I don't do goals, my vision is going to be pretty fuzzy at best. Right. And I told her, oh, I didn't know what, I'd never thought of it. And you know, I didn't really have a, I didn't have a packaged answer. And I just told it what came to my head, which was years ago. My, my uncle sent me this box full of cassette tapes, uh, Michael Gerber, Jay Abraham. And I was listening to Gerber when he came to Brisbane once. And he said, um, he was talking about how the best businesses in the world are obsessed about quality. And he talked about how um, at, at Disneyland, they steam clean the car park. Literally, they steam clean the car park every night. What? Wow. Yeah, right. The average lifespan, like if you drop a piece of rubbish at Disneyland, the average lifespan of a piece of rubbish at Disney is three seconds. This, I mean, it's ridiculous. And then Gerber said, uh, 
you know, in traveling around the world and seeing tens of thousands of businesses, I've, I've seen, I've seen churches that are run like gas stations and I've seen gas stations that are run like churches. And so I, I, I told her that story and I said, so, you know, in other words, I've seen something sacred run like garbage and something that's an average everyday business run like a church, you know, sacred. And I said, so, you know, this is a, this is a gas station run like a church, you know? And so I've been famous for my content for years and that, that was my art. And then when I said that I had this like, uh uh-huh, that if I step back and I thought that the stuff on the slides and the stuff in the workbook and the stuff on the flip chart, wasn't just the art, but what if the whole business could could be my canvas and I could paint my soul, my DNA, you know, our kind of way of being that kind of class and care and, and flow professional and personal on every, like, even the stuff that no client will ever see backstage stuff is as elegant and simple and beautiful and classy as the stuff that it's, it's, and I really care about that. You know, that's, that's the special source. I think. Mm. One thing that I've noticed, um, awesome, awesome answer. One thing I've noticed with you guys too, is that uh, you have this unique way of taking something seemingly complex and making it tangible. Making mm-hmm. it so if I had three special sources, that would be that was my number three. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I was running a workshop in New York City once, and there's this there's this African American dude with these cool dreads, like you know, dude, black people are just cool. Well, let's face it, man, like they're just way cooler than us. And he goes, he just stops me and says, he goes, Taki, I gotta stop you up. I gotta cut you up right there. I'm like, all right, man, what's up? He goes, you know what I love about you, man? I'm like, no, man. What do you love about? He goes. I love how you take it from high level to eye level. And uh, <laughs> I just got this, I just was like, that's perfect. So that guy's name was Coach Kaya and, uh, and I've been uh, crediting him ever since. That's the whole idea. Like, we want to take it from like big uh, high level concept down to something I can like pick up and I know exactly what to do with my hands. And I think that's the, the test for us of like, did we do a good job? Like, is the concept clear and simple? And then do I know exactly what to do with it? And that's the... Yeah, if, if, if there's lots of tactics, but it doesn't make sense contextually, then I think we've missed it. And if they get the idea, but they have no idea how to implement it, then I think we just frustrate people and we kind of do that high level, high level dance. Um, you know, this workshop that you're coming to next week, right? Uh, it's about how to simplify and multiply your coaching business. And I've never worked so hard on a workshop in my life. Like I've had to rebuild this workshop five times. So I've n- I never do that, but I've had to, because I kept building this amazing workshop that was way too complex and I can't teach you how to simplify in a complex way. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I'm just, it's just like, it's, you can't, it's, it's hypocritical. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, simplify. Yeah. I think the, the simple thing is really important. What do you think the biggest thing is that prevents coaches from, from getting to a million dollars a year? I don't know that there's one. I think the first thing I would say is, uh, because they don't have a really simple plan, they end up trying lots of stuff and, and getting spread too thin. So like that, that's like an overall problem. But if I had to like drop down from there, I'd go, uh, number one, they either try to be all things to all people. There's a great coaching book called How to Coach Anyone About, Every, uh, about Anything. It's a really good coaching book, but it's a really shitty business model. It's really hard. Um, or they, they sell something super intangible. Uh, that nobody, dude, um, 
I'm not very woo-woo. And so anyone who's watching this, listening to this, who is, please hear this in the spirit it's meant. I want you to win. Um, there's a lot of coaches who coach something that isn't very quantifiable and wonder why people aren't happy to spend money on it. So, um, you know, I think that the easiest way to grow your coaching business is to have one great product that you like, one kind of, kind of client that you love and a product that you can just look them in the eye and go, this thing will get you the results you're after. And uh, to do that, you have to be really clear about what's their actual problem. So I think a lot about $100,000 problems. You know, the easiest way, frankly, to, to grow a coaching business is to, is to have to find a group of people who've got a $100,000 problem and, and offer to solve it for 10 grand. You know, like it's, um, if you're a business coach, that sounds really, really easy. But um, there's fitness coaches or um, you know, spiritual coaches and all we need to do is be really clear about what's the actual trend. Like what, if your coaching business was Superman's phone booth, what is, how does Clark Kent walk in and how does Superman walk out? You just need to be really clear that we're, we're selling a transformation. And then people will be willing to pay a premium for a transformation. Uh, we, we had Bordron here in California a couple of days ago and uh, Rob Nixon, one of our guys, the question he asks his prospects is, what would need to happen for you to happily pay me $50,000 a year for the rest of your life? What a great question. Mm. And the answers are way simpler than you'd think. Like nobody asked for, you know, 77 hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching time or ex, you know, extra workshops. They all, they all just went straight to, well, if you can help keep making my results go up, then I'll happily pay 50 grand for the rest of my life. So I think just like, a focus on results really is what we sell. We sell an outcome of transformation. Mm. And if you take that simple and you parlay that into who's your market and what's your product, how do you generate leads? How do you sell? You know, all of that just wants to be simple one thing answers. Mm. Which is not too dissimilar to, to business in general though, right? Of course. Yeah. A coaching business is a business. Mm. Um, I used to live, years ago in a suburb of Sydney called Gladesville. And there was a, a law firm there. It was, you know, like last name and last name, like they all are. And on their wall, it had like last name and last name, specialists in everything. <laughs> and I was like, come on, dude. Clearly, that's not true. Uh, so I think let's not be specialists in everything. Let's be specialists at something. And ideally something that people are, people are willing to, to spend money on. What do you think it is that stops people? This is an interesting, interesting topic because we see it a lot. Uh, people that almost have this fear around niching down or have this of fear around being... Specific. It's terrifying. Yeah, man. It's, totally, it's terrifying. Why is that? Uh, I think there's three reasons people do it. Uh, they're scared because the, the first reason is they're worried that if I niche down to one thing, uh, I lose all of the opportunity. You know, like if there's a hundred percent of the world is a potential client, I feel good about that. But if I just leave it down to something that's less than 1%, then I've just instantly cut off 99%. That's a fear. Mm. Second thing I think that people are worried about is variety. You know, like a, if I niche to one thing, it might be boring and I'll, I'll lose variety. And I think the third thing is like, let's say I do niche and I pick the wrong thing. Then I've kind of, I've committed to something that isn't going to work and I'm locked in. So shall we answer those one by one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Number one, uh, 
if I, if I niche, I lose opportunity. In other words, I go from the whole world as my potential client to that much. Well, here's the thing. Uh, if you think about marketing a bit like fishing, so we're standing on the edge of a, a lake or a, you know, a beach with one of those nets and we're throwing it out to catch the fish. Um, we obviously we want to catch as many fish as we can. So the temptation is to make the stretch the net really, really, really wide and broaden up the niche. What happens when you stretch the net really wide? The holes get bigger. And if the holes are bigger, the fish swim through. So that's kind of the first. What we want to do is like, is almost like blowing a dog whistle. You know, when you blow a dog whistle, every dog's ears will prick up and they'll hear you. But every non-dog will just keep walking, not even know you're there. That's how good marketing should be. So that's the first thing. Uh, every time we've helped a client niche, we haven't halved their opportunity. We've tripled it every single time because now all of a sudden when you blow the whistle, the ears prick up. So that's the, that's the first bit. I think the second thing is about variety. Um, I think too often we're looking for variety by changing our business or changing our business model and having to relearn. I mean, there's something lovely about relearning a new, you know, I've got a new client in this industry. I'm going to get fascinated and learn all about that. Um, but I find variety inside my business, not like inside my core business, not outside. So I, I can think of probably, if I check that, give you an exact number, but probably 35 or 40 ridiculously exciting projects that I want to roll out inside Black Belt. And I just can't get to them all right now because I'm, you know, because 35 or 40 is a lot of things. But I've got a ridiculous amount of, of variety. And one of the things you'll see in the new year is a, um, a pipeline of new releases, new ads for clients to test, new strategies to roll out. And each month I'll say, here's the stuff that's in the pipeline. And we're just checking and go, what do you need most right now? Uh, prioritize them and they get to work in the lab testing and figuring stuff out. So, like, I've got a a never-ending amount of creativity, both on the how do we get new clients on and the how do we get clients with outside. So I think you can get variety wherever you look for it. I look for it inside. It's just much simpler. And then the third piece is what if I pick the wrong one? Well, dude, no one said you had to, you know, get married to the niche. Just date it for a bit. At the end of like six weeks or, or three months, you're going to know, is this right for me or not? And either way, you've got some data that you can make a decision on instead of like sitting freaked out, paralyzed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And and typically business owners, they're, you know, with that comes this bit of a shiny thing syndrome. And because they are so big picture typically, and, and yeah. there is a strong drive for variety. But as you said, there's, there's plenty of resourceful variety that can be found with inside your core business and outside yeah. of sabotaging your own success. Dude, 100%. Can I show you the, the best niche business I think I've ever seen? Yeah. All right. So there's a company in the UK, they do product photography, you know, like if you've got a new thing, they take photos of it. So these guys, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. We shoot bottles.com. So what do they do? They shoot bottles and uh, that's all they do. So if you have, haven't have some stuff that comes in a bottle, they will take photos of it. That's their whole business. Um, oh, that's actually not quite true. They've got this bottles, not your thing. Click here. And that takes you to, to uh, We Shoot Cans, which is, <laughs> which, which is their, their side business. They're really kind of venturing out into cans as well. But I, I, <laughs> We Shoot Bottles.com, We Shoot Cans.com. I think like it's really nice to have, I help this kind of person with this kind of problem to get this kind of promise. And then you can just like pour your heart and soul into actually being useful to people. 
and getting them an actual result. I think it's amazing. Yeah, well, it helps you to refine your product a lot to fix a specific problem. Of course. Big niche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's, let's switch things up. Like, I'm, I'm keen to hear more about your nomadic lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And how, a, a few things, like, like, number one, like, how do you plan on, on where you guys want to go? And how do you work that in with still running a business? Obviously, you've got a team. You've got a team uh, both around the world, but, but uh, quite a decent-sized team in the fields as well. Yep. Um, and you're obviously running uh, you know, events and webinars and things for your client. How do, you, how do you work all that in and still feel like you're... I suppose living. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, dude, that's a big question. Uh, I'll tell you the bad news first. It's, it often means you have to reschedule stuff. Um, so we've rescheduled this multiple times. I'm really sorry we've done it. Hopefully I'm doing okay. And and you'll be glad that we did it. And it was like, fuck, I should have just canceled the stupid thing. Guys, an idiot. And the content was no good. Um, so how do you do it? The, the way we plan it is really simple. Uh, this is how it came about, Matt. We're, like every year we pick a, a word, like a theme for the year that's coming. And uh, three or four years ago, we had a really good work year, like business grew, work was good, did great work. Life was a bit beige, you know, like a bit boring. And I, I think Tim Ferriss is right. Like the, the opposite of happiness isn't sadness. The opposite of happiness is kind of boredom. And so I think the one thing that, you know, if, if they didn't listen to any of the business stuff out of this, but just like, the one thing I wish that every single person who listened to this got or watched this got was just if they could inject like 5% more excitement in their life, dude, life gets great. Excitement is kind of where it's at, I reckon. And so I was like, so every, every year we pick a word and my, I was like, dude, this year's okay, but it's been pretty beige, a bit boring. I need more adventures. And so I told Karen, babe, I just need more adventures. I'm feeling a bit bored. This is, yeah. So we, we travel, you know, because uh, I, I enjoy travel. I had the bug since I was a kid. We went to Morocco and we rode on camels and we did all these things. And it was a great year. I'm sitting at our local taco shop in Nanley, uh, sorry, in, in Monaval, MX, having a brisket taco and savoring the flavor and just thinking, this has been the best year ever. I don't know. How could we ever beat this year? And my brain just said, well, what if you never came back? I was like, ooh, that's a good idea. And uh, so I asked the waitress for a, a napkin and a pen and I started drawing. And I'll show you what I drew um, because. It's kind of rad. Uh, I'm just going to turn the brightness down here so hopefully it doesn't reflect too bad. Um, so, can you see the circle? Yeah. Let's call that Sydney. Uh, Sydney's home, right? And so I thought, okay, well, we've got to be in Sydney three times a year for, uh, for Blackfoot, you know, March and July and November, three times. Yeah. Okay, so that's the only time I really have to be somewhere. The rest of the time we could be anywhere. So if we, have to, if we could be anywhere, why don't we travel a bit? So I thought, okay, well, let's just take, you know, three months off here and three months there and three months there and explore the world and start to look a bit like a propeller. Yeah. It's like, all right, this is, a, this, it's symmetrical. It's starting to look like a model. It needs layers. Okay. So what, what if we went to um, Europe and uh, Asia or Asia Pacific and the Americas? Yeah. So well, this is good. Now let's, let's next level this. I was like, okay, so what if we, in Europe, if we went Italy, um, yeah, France or Spain, and then somewhere north, like a Viking place. So I put Viva Viking. I wasn't sure which one. We're actually going to Iceland, uh, Finland rather, in a couple of weeks. And then Asia, like we've got a team in the Philippines, so we'll go there. Uh, let's go to Bali, and let's go to Thailand and uh, ride elephants and stuff. And then America, we've got East Coast, West Coast, 
South America, Brazil. And that was our plan for the first year. So I'd run home from this taco shop with this kind of crazy propeller. Bang! I've got to figure it out. We're going to propel around the world. It's like, what are you talking about? And uh, to her credit, she, uh, after thinking about it for a bit, she went with it. And obviously it goes from, you know, a silly propeller plant into calendars and flights and logistics and boring stuff. But I was kind of sold, you know, five minutes into tacos. And then, uh, yeah, I'm the make it up guy. And, and part of the amazing thing about Karen Marie is she makes it real. So that was, that's like how we started. Um, Dude, you asked me like three questions in one and I've answered so that. So it's been two years now, yeah? Just about two years of travelling, is that right? Yeah, yeah, almost two years. How have you made this work? Like, Because it's, it's not just you guys. Like, you're travelling with your kids too, right? Yeah, we're travelling with the kids. Uh, three kids the whole time and uh, a fourth half the time. Yeah. And then um, uh, a nanny slash teacher with us most of the time. So there's like six people in the entourage. Seven, sorry. Seven in the entourage. Um, yeah, so we're kind of airbnb or hoteling. Uh, I love good hotels, but when you're traveling long-term with a family, it's nice to all be together. So Airbnb kind of makes more sense. Yeah. The problem with Airbnbs is they don't make your bed, which I hate. <laughs> so, dude, if someone watching this needs to invent this. If, if you could put a layer on top of Airbnb that lets you book and then click a button which says for 50 bucks a day, make my bed and do the dishes. I want that button, please. Um, right now, I just message them, say, hey, these are my dates. I really want to book it. Can you get your cleaners to come in every day at 11? And they say, yes, we're this much more. And we say, yes. And that's kind of how we, I don't like dishes yeah. or cleaning. Uh, we're about like usually three or four weeks in a place is the idea. First, uh, Kieran, we wanted to do three months in a spot. I wanted to do a week. <laughs> I have a higher need for variety, clearly, than the rest of the world. Uh, I got my way. She was probably right. So this year, we've done like two to three weeks. And I think next year, we'll do like a month, maybe even six weeks in a place and kind of bed down and explore a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and logistically, then, how does this work? You know, like, because it's not just you. It's not just you and Kira Marie. You've got... It's a know, business and clients and a family and... Four kids, and then on top of this, you've got you know four hundred plus clients, events yep. around the world, um, both in US and in Australia. Yep. Okay, so yeah. obviously can't do it solo. Well, could do it solo, but really hard. Got an amazing team, and I'm really grateful for them. Uh, the hard part has been being in Europe because the time zone difference between Europe and Australia is really hard. Like for if I'm doing an eight a.m. Sydney a.m. webinar. And I'm in Italy at the time. It's a 2 a.m. webinar. I've got to be fresh as a daisy at 2 a.m. That's not easy. Yeah. Um, I figured I, I, uh, at the last boardroom, David Dugan taught me this breathing technique that uh, a guy called Shane Saunders taught him, who was a special forces. Oh, my God, man. That changed my life. It was, I, had to, I was in Italy a few months ago, and I had a, a midnight webinar and a 2 a.m. webinar. So I got through the midnight one and I've got this like 45 minutes sitting on my butt, like waiting for you know, the next thing. And uh, Chris Dufay was the guy who was hot city, who you, you might know, and uh, or you do know. And uh, at quarter to two, I did this 12 minute breathing thing that I've got this recording I listen to it, do it most mornings. And at the end of this thing, 
I was more alive, more awake, more alive, more pumped, more focused, more powerful than I've ever. I was like Tony Robbins. I just, you know, walked on fire and I just, so, you know, learning that you can manage your energy. has been a game changer. Um, so my number one commit was I'm going to travel around the world, but I want to make sure that it doesn't negatively impact any clients. That was the thing. And so if that means the webinar is at a bad time for me, I'd much rather it be a bad time for one person than screw up 400 people. And so I just like make it work. Dude, it really means that I've leaned heavily on a few amazing people in my team. And uh, as I look to next year, it means I'll lean heavily on some really key clients who have um, stepped up and agreed to do some great work with our, you know, some boardroom guys specifically to do some, you know, some senseis in the black dog community. And uh, man, I'm really grateful. I'm surrounded by amazing people. And I, I, yeah, we just couldn't do what we do without brilliant people around us. I think that's like the, that's the, yeah, that's the thing you really want to collect is friendships. You know, I feel honored to have amazing people around the world. I'm like really grateful for all of them. And I just like, check this out, man. I'm running uh, boardroom next week in, in Manly. And, uh, it's funny, boardroom's the part of my world that I felt like it makes, like out of everything we do work-wise, it makes the least money, it's the least leverage, it's the thing I obsess about more than anything else. It's the one thing I haven't been able to crack and get right in, in three years. Like I feel like it, it's been good, but it hasn't been where I want it. Until this last week, we had the most extraordinary boardroom of my life, like literally, it was like one of the all-time highlights of my, of my work life was this last weekend. And it's because of a great friend and a great client called Sean Finter, who uh, I started chatting with after the last one. And uh, he basically just took over half of, like I did the nine to five of Boardroom and he did what happened from Friday lunchtime all the way through Friday night, you know, rented the Airbnb, got the food, did these amazing exercises with people and like just bonded people together. Check this out, but here's what's cool. It was amazing. And I'm going to Manly in a few days' time to run it with our boardroom group in Australia. And I'm like, but I don't have Sean. How am I going to do this? And so he and I were chatting yesterday. And he's like, well, just say the word. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I've got some things on, but I've already spoken to the team. I've cleared the days. And I'll come and we'll do it there and we'll make it amazing. And so, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he's not getting paid. He doesn't get anything out of it other than to help a brother out. And that's pretty rad you know it's cool mm. <laughs> wow yeah pretty lucky mm. Mm. i think you do that too like I remember for many years my best mates were actually my clients you know because when you're working in that capacity of, of coaching clients you know like it's deep it's deep for someone to let you in their life enough that you can make a significant impact yeah. And not walk out the other side as, as best friends. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny. We had like 14 clients walk into Podrum and 14 lifelong friends walk out, mm. mostly thanks to Sean. It's pretty, dude, just, it, it was next level. Mm. Uh, both really deep emotionally and really fun. It just kind of ticked all the boxes. So it's good. It's mm. awesome. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was. Mate, uh, before we finish up, just course yeah. of time. No worries. Uh, what are your three 
tips for, for living a nomadic lifestyle. And the reason I ask this is that I'm noticing more and more this theme of the whole work from home thing. Uh, yeah. It was about 12 months ago now, pretty much exactly 12 months ago now, we got rid of our office. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, you know, went virtual with our team. And it was something I resisted for a long time because I was concerned we couldn't build culture. Yeah. Like being all around the world. Uh, I, I've never been concerned about the academy of work. Like I've never been a boss that's, that's kept timesheets or anything like that. That, that, that all is just not, not my jam. Yeah. Uh, but in actual fact, like an improved culture. Of course. What I found is that I was traveling so much that when I would leave the office, that the, the vibe would kind of go down and I'd get back and it'd take a week to get it back up again. And I was always feeling guilty because I was never there for these guys. And I was kind of traveling around even though I was working. Yeah. I went virtual. It was like the best thing that we've ever done. Like the culture we have is amazing. I've just booked a trip to the Philippines. Uh, oh, cool. Never been. We've got yeah, seven nice. staff there. And where like, are you, do you know where you're going? Uh, they've organized the whole thing for me. Okay. They're what like, what have they do? Be great. Just rock up at the airport and we've taken care of everything for you. I'll and give I'm you really two tips. Number one, uh, you're probably going to have to do karaoke at one stage. So pick a song. Yeah. Number two, don't eat balut. It's this gross. Uh, anyway, just balut. B-A-L-U-T. If they ask you to eat something gross, and they probably will, just say, I'll eat it after you do. And then they'll back off and leave you alone. That's how you win the Filipino food game. That's all. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Back to the question. Um, yeah, but best thing with, you know, they, these people were so close to it. Never met them. Yeah. Never physically met them. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal culture. And I'm seeing more and more people, like I was speaking to Lisa Messenger, had her on yeah. the show uh, the other day, and she's just gone virtual as the start of this year as well. And, and yeah. improved profitability, improved culture. She's got increased efficiencies. Like what are your, and I, and I suspect that this is going to become a lot more mainstream. I can see in corporate as well, they're incentivizing people with like work from home position. Like what are your top three nomadic tips? Yeah. Uh, so I think minimum viable office is probably a good thing to start with. Like what's, what's in your bag? I'm just gonna take my headphones out. Give me like 10 seconds or yeah. five seconds. I wanna show you something. I've got this little bag. Um, this little bag here is my whole office. I can run our whole business off this thing. It carries everything that's set up right here. So I mean, literally it's that big dude. Like it's as big as my head. Uh, I, don't, I don't own a, a computer anymore. I've got uh, an iPad uh, that, I, that I adore. Um, I've got a phone. Uh, I've got a battery. And then uh, I've got a um, tripody self, like a selfie stick with a tripod. Hey, my little daughter's coming. Come here, quick, bud. Of course, you can say something. But I'm on a podcast right now, so make it cute or at least quick. <laughs> What's that? If you can what? Cut yeah, dude. It's fine with me. I'd love to shave it all off. Come over here for a sec. Uh, Barry, this is Aroha. Hi. She said her hair's a mess. We went to Brazil, it got braided, and it's never quite recovered. Um, it's okay with me, but you need to talk to mum, and I recommend that. Oh, dude, I mean, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about that. Bye. See you, um, Okay, so what do you actually need? Like, my whole world is no, I've got three superpowers I can talk, I can draw, and I can jam with people. That's really all I do for work. So, um, iPad's perfect for drawing, phone's perfect for talking. Um, 
And most of my work is done in collaborations, like Zoom is my favorite tool of all time, it's extraordinary. And so, you know, uh, phone, iPad, battery power, and a, and a little tripod that holds the phone. Dude, I've got an office anywhere in the world, ready to go. So I think that's the first thing is like skinny down your kit. I'm a, I love video and I've bought like way too much camera equipment, like just ridiculous amounts of like, I've, there's this guy on YouTube called Casey Neistat who I love. And, uh, so I was like, what camera does Casey Neistat use? And it was like, so a Canon 80D or something. So I bought it, of course, in the lens and the stuff. And then like three weeks in, he announces, oh, I'm, I've switched and got a new camera. I was like two weeks into this camera. So I bought the new one again as well, didn't I? And uh, he didn't like it. So a week later, he switched to something. I've got three cameras. And then he changed it. I was like, I'm done with this. But I bought like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. But frankly, the best setup is something super light that could be with you anywhere. So like the best camera is the one in your pocket. So that's number one. Uh, I think it's really good to face-to-face -face as often as you can. So like, I love that you go to the Philippines. Um, you want to be present, not just because, well, for two reasons. Obviously, it makes people, you know, connects you. And, uh, and you can get incredible work done virtually just as well as you can in the office. And you've done that already. Big things are going to happen when you go to the Philippines. Like we go twice a year and we can get like six months worth of work done and progress made in, in three or four days. So I think thing two would be set a schedule to be face-to-face -face with your people. We have um, team meetings. Uh, I'm not a meetings guy, but I, I see the value. Uh, once a week we have a team meeting and then twice a week we have what's called an unstuck, which is anytime they get stuck. You know, there's, there's a channel in Slack which is unstuck and either I'll just voice record answers or twice a week there's a time where I just jump on a Zoom and whoever has a stuck asks me and we unstick it. Mm. That'd be number two. Um, I think that the, the challenge with working from home or going nomad really is that the, the line that used to exist, like I'm at the office now, so I'm working and now I'm home, that, that goes. And so you yeah. need to put the line in yourself. That's the tricky part. Yeah. Um, and so in my world, uh, I don't work Mondays. So every weekend we've got a three day week, uh, every week we've got a three day weekend, which is awesome. Um, typically, uh, typically my work will be in the afternoon or the evening, depending on where we are in the world. But usually I'll work in the afternoon or evening, which means I've got like a whole day out exploring the world with the kids and through Marie and having a good time. And then, you know, after dinner, I can do a little bit of this. You know what I mean? So I think like putting the, building a schedule that fits you. And like, frankly, even if you don't work virtually, fitting a schedule that suits you is super important. Mm. Um, years ago, I, I made this great friend called Matt Church. And uh, he said, I think it'd be really easy to, well, I was completely starstruck. I was like, why do you want to be my friend? And <laughs> anyway, he says, uh, it'll, be, it'll be much easier when you know how my weeks work. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you, like, if you think about like a week, um, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I've got a week to work. He goes, uh, we heal from the middle. I'm like, okay. So if we've got a blank week and there's an appointment to be booked, it goes on Wednesdays. And then once we once Wednesday's full, then we'll fill Tuesday and Thursday. Usually that means I can have a Monday or a Friday off. That's genius. Right? Fill from the middle. And then he says, but it works vertically too. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we always, the first appointment always goes at lunchtime. And then we fill. He goes, that way I can almost always drop my kids off to school and pick them up afterwards. Genius. Right? Such a simple, elegant idea. 
So I think that like whether you do that or the, the main thing is like, the question isn't, is your calendar going to be full? It's going to be, the question really is who's going to fill your calendar? And the answer to that should be me the way I want to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think they're the three, you know, like pack light, get face to face with your camera and then yeah, choose a schedule that, that, that you love. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Any last words, mate, to the guys that are watching and listening to this today? It's been fun. You had fun? I've had a great time. It's been awesome. Uh, it's fun talking about stuff you don't normally get to talk about, you know? Uh, last words. So we kind, of, we kind of lured people in with the business talk and then we hit them with the nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. I think that, like... I think this Tim Ferriss idea that the opposite of happiness isn't sadness, it's boredom. Mm. And uh, so like, just think about like, what would add a little bit more excitement or a little bit more adventure to your world? If you made a list of like five things and like worked out how often you could do those things, I think you'd be in a great place, you know? Adventures are really fun and you should get as many of them in as you can. I think that's all I really want to say. Yeah. Tucky, mate, so grateful to have uh, had you on the show. Trust yeah, that uh, everyone watching, listening, got huge value. Looking forward to catching up next week. Yeah. Uh, if you guys listening might want to reach out, how can they find you? Uh, MillionDollarCoach.com is the website. And uh, find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, or in the local taco at, shop. Or at MX in Monoval eating brisket tacos, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate your time. Dude, absolute pleasure. Good luck, mate. The show's fantastic. Uh, and if you're listening to this, keep listening because uh, Barry's a really good dude. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Pleasure, mate.